Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host David Hill, coming to you again from Lexington, Kentucky. This is episode 14. It's our fifth and final round of the Americans in Scotland Roundtable, which makes me a little bit sad, frankly. Just as melancholy and a sweet sadness set in as our Scottish golf adventure came to a close, so sets in a little bit of sadness that Fred, Matt, and I have reduced all of our memories to an oil history for the final time. Today, this is a conversation about our experience at Leaven Links. It's a wonderful ancient links that we played the day after playing the old course. It was our getaway day. There's always got to be a morning after, and some course was always going to have to be the one that followed immediately after the old course. As this episode details in our conversation, it's to Leaven's credit that it's a course of really fine character, frankly. It can stand proudly on its own two feet and plays second fiddle to none. That fine character extends to the pro, Big Sam, as well as the hospitality we were afforded at the Lieben Golf Club. Before our trip down memory lane, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com. It's 1G. You'll find great podcasts there, including the Good Good golf podcast with Rod Morey and Adrian Logue, who, despite their best efforts, continue to find incredibly interesting guests for unique conversations about where the game, the sport, and the business of golf intersect. You should check it out along with the rest of the catalog. As always, you can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod. You can find my thoughts and writings online at OneBeardedGolfer.com, and you can interact with me directly on Twitter at OneBeardedGolfer. That's the number one bearded golfer as always there'll be pertinent links in the show notes and over on the website so i hope you'll check those out a reminder this podcast is sponsored by me and only me in addition to playing talking and writing about golf i'm a licensed kentucky realtor with rector hayden realtors i work both with homeowners buying and selling their homes and also with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in central kentucky you can find me and find all about that at davidhill.rhr.com. Reach out to me if there's a real estate conversation that you've been putting off, but keep meaning to have with a professional. Now back to the roundtable. Leaving links more than all of the other courses we played in Scotland, felt like the course and like the club that I could envision playing as a member on an everyday basis. It checked all the boxes for me. Fun course with a good design, great greens, a dynamic experience based on the weather and the day's wind. Uh, the course isn't in perfect, pristine condition. Instead, it reflects a gritty venue for serious golfers. Short on frills and bells and whistles, but long on fun, challenge, and great golf, count me in. We get in the conversation into winding down the trip back in Edinburgh, where the brotherhood of the bogey came to a close over Italian food and big laughs. And we called together a few pointers for future golf travelers to Scotland. I hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, we certainly enjoyed recording it. So without any further delay, for one last time, here are Matt, Fred, and I with round five of the Americans in Scotland Roundtable, talking about leaving links. I'm joined one last time by my friends Fred and Matt uh, to talk about our last day on our 
personally epic uh, Scottish golf trip. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. Hello, Dave. Thanks for doing this as always. And tonight we're going to spend some time talking about our add-on course, our last course that we played in Scotland, Leaven Links, um, which is we had the misfortune of being the course that we played after the old course. But it is a, as we found out, it's a, a course of merit. Uh, it can stand on its own two feet with about anybody. Um, before we get to that, and I mentioned this to Fred off air. Was there anything on your list that – what was on your list that didn't make the cut? Because this course, how we ended up at Leaven Links, I had it on my radar. It was nominally on the way back to Edinburgh from St. Andrews, which was our entire task for that, that final full day. And I called London or looked them up on the web, and they said they were on temporary greens doing some prep work for the winter. Leaven was still playing the, the full course, so uh, that flipped the coin, and, and there we went. Um, what was the what was the almost course, or what would you have requested? Uh, do you remember having any favorites, Matt? I think I do. I think I think that it was it was London and Leaven that were kind of at the top of my list for the other ones that made sense. Um, um, I think there was two that I had on my list that I thought would be really cool to play. And you know, correct me, Dave, if I get the names wrong, but is it Crail? Yes. That was one of them. And then is it um, Muscleboro? Yeah, Muscleboro right there inside yeah. the racetrack at Edinburgh yeah. or out on the way to North Berwick, really. Yeah. Yeah. That was the old racetrack or the, it is the racetrack, right? Right. I mean, it's still a racetrack. Yeah. Um, I thought that would be cool because um, most of the things that I saw were associated with folks playing those with the with um, hickory clubs. Right. And that was. Um, yeah. yeah. That would have been cool, but I mean, I mean seriously, I I mean I, most people can throw the ball further than I can hit it anyway now with like modern day clubs. I mean, I can only imagine how much fun I would have had with that. Yeah, getting those. I don't know that it would have been as breezy because that's a little bit inland. Fred, you had mentioned Crail and, and Muscleboro. Was there anything else? I know there was one. I think you thought about if it was a Montrose or something way up by uh, Carnoustie that you thought maybe if we had time on that day now the day didn't work out that we had any time but no that one yeah that one was way up there um and then what was the other one that we passed i cannot remember the name of it that we passed on the way to north barrack um that's right about the time you guys fell asleep Gullen. Yeah. yeah it has yeah it has three courses uh it's in the scottish open rotation and there's a really cool museum there. The guy, the gentleman that that maintained it, it was his personal collection, uh, a history of golf museum, little small thing. And he passed, I think, within the last year. But yeah, that was on my list too. And you know, I know when we were at Mirfield Village, that was the one that the good doctor mentioned. He said, "Go play Gullen." He said, "Go, you know, if at all possible." So yeah, it was a good place to fall asleep. I mean, it looked busy. There was a hickory tournament going on while we were there, so that was kind of neat um you know my my overall my first impressions of leaving cute little town you know tucked in there against the sea um probably the most unpretentious space you know, you know i know carnoustie had a kind of a working man blue collar middle class feel to it i thought leaving was just really cool and laid back it was monochromatic almost um just to look at it 
and with that tiny little clubhouse. Do you remember that locker room? It's about the size of this office that I'm sitting in. And we roll in with travel luggage and hard cases. They didn't know what to do with us. That, I thought that was that added to the charm that they just kind of said, yeah, whatever, put it in there. Uh, what were your first impressions when we hit town? Fred, I'll throw this one to you. Um, and, and I think I kind of mentioned this to you um, off camera. You know, I kind of went into that um, with very little knowledge of of the course. You know, I, I, I probably read some stuff about it um, in some of the stuff that I was looking at, but it seemed like it didn't stick with me. So um, I – I unfortunately and, you know, embarrassingly kind of overlooked it. You know, I thought that was kind of a, you know, that was just the getaway day. And, you know, we were just going to play one more time before we got home. Right. Um, so I didn't have much to it. You know, I mean, it, it felt like we drove back through like a, a housing addition to get to it. You know, there was like streets and houses everywhere. We hadn't seen much of that on the courses we had played over there to that point. Um, so I, I really didn't know what to expect. And um, it wasn't until I think I mentioned earlier we got to like hole three was when it, it all started to kind of unfold. And I was like, hey, um, you know, this is a little 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 more than I thought we were going to get today. So um, it, it really it, it really kind of blew me away the more and more we played. Um, you know, getting through that back nine and some of those holes were just, you know, I had a feel of, of some of the holes we played at like um, um, at Ely and the other ones, you know, we were kind of coming back into town. And as we mentioned, the, the hole that kind of got Matt when he was checking out those folks garden and stuff. I mean, we're playing right back into that town, um, which was awesome. Yeah, Matt, you know, the first another first thing that I noticed from the parking lot is okay we had the leaving club house next door was the leaving thistle you know the the other club that uses that same course and then had a pro shop that wasn't any bigger than locker room you know a separate structure where we met big sam and he was great he was um, great you know just as welcoming young kid young pro really friendly really helpful um but just having in that lawn there was a, a bocce ball or lawn bowling course or club right there that had its own little fenced thing uh, over there to the left. Matt, what do you remember arriving at Levin? I remember it, it very distinctly, actually. Um, what Fred's talking about with driving in through the neighborhood is exactly right. What The feeling that I got upon getting there was it wasn't so much a private club as it was a really nice home course that somebody would have that they would play all the time. And then they would also go play the big boys, you know, on, on the weekends or something like this. But this was this was the place they would go when they get out of work to try to get nine in. But it happened to be an incredibly nice version of that. Um, that was the feel that I got as it was. It felt like more of a home course. Absolutely. And that that was my impression very quickly walking, you know, that second or third hole and kind of seeing because it's more. Um, for listeners that don't know, Levin is kind of an ancient course. It used to be basically a straight out-and-back links course, and as the club got too big, um, they decided to split it into two. So what is now London Links next door took nine of the holes uh, and added on nine of its own to make its course for its club. And then the Levin Club uh, kept nine holes, added nine, 
and made its full 18-hole course. So we're kind of going out, um, and the wind is howling. You know, you're at sea level, unlike at Ely, where we're kind of up above it on a bluff um, for most of the holes. This one, you're right down at sea level, and you're kind of in these corridors uh, with you don't really see kind of like we talked about with the old course even though you're on fairly flattish ground uh, as far as big elevation changes you can't see everything that's going around you you know there were small the dunes were just big enough or the gorse was just tall enough to kind of hide uh, everything laterally uh, the other the other holes uh, where you were going uh, you know and this is a club that was an open qualifier it's very proud of its history it's been an open qualifier um, I think for all of the, the ones at St. Andrews until maybe the most recent uh, Open Championship at the old course. Um, you know, I, it, I thought it was the linksiest of the, the courses, maybe save for the old course, because of the, it was kind of an out-and-back inner and outer loop. But, man, that wind was just no joke out there. Uh, there, and there was no hiding from it. Those dunes weren't tall enough to block the wind, even though they blocked our, our visuals a little bit. And there was only, what, one or two par threes where we were turned kind of across the wind or diagonal. Um, so it was kind of unrelenting all day. Were there any, uh, as far as playing the course, how do you remember it playing, Matt, if you have any distinct memories of it? Um, you know, it, it, it was it was it was Scottish. It was firm. It was fast. Um, it, lots of very tight lies. Your, you know, your rough that wasn't, you know, grown up to your knees. Any of the mown rough wasn't particularly thick. Uh, again, playing that time of the year, grounds pretty hard. Um, it, it was, it was a challenge. It was, uh, you know, kind of what you would expect from from a Scottish Lynx course. I think it was very true to what it was. Um, and you know, again, it doesn't have it doesn't have the same reputation in cachet, and it doesn't have some of the the classic um, holes. But it'll it'll challenge you. It'll eat you up if you're not if you're not on your game for sure. Fred, um, the thing I remember most is. Um, is the the rough uh kind of to matt's point a little bit the rough around the greens was um a lot tighter to the green if that makes sense uh a lot of the courses we played you know there wasn't a lot of rough around the greens at all you know you just have this green it was sitting there you you chipped up you can run the ball up to it but um that was kind of a, a um a unique blend of you know uh, Scottish golf and some of the golf that we will play around here. The you had room around those greens, maybe like you know five ten yards, but some of those holes that you played on like the edges of the course had a lot of um, a, the, a lot of rough that was really close to the to the fairway or to the green itself. So I had a couple instances where my ball came in hot, rolled through, rolled through that little moan area into some of that tall rough that was around the greens. Um, that and I think we showed a picture earlier. I think you guys were standing in that that left fairway um, on two where you had the slit level fairways. Um and um, the the grass that was growing was kind of in little um, in little lines, 
and those lines ran like from T to green. So your ball would find its way in the middle of some of those things and it would like snuggle right down in the in the in the fairway. I found that to be a little challenging as well. Oh, it would. That would, it would be a seed that would plant itself in that little row. Um, yeah. You know, it was the course was weather worn. You know, I remember seeing this at Ely at a couple of the bunkers down closer to the water where the wind is there's nothing blocking the wind. And you know the sand was was darker. The the edges of the bunkers and the the revetted faces were a little smoothed out and a little worn. Um, you had a lot of that at Levin. Um, you know the bunkers looked like bunkers back home. Um, they weren't that uh, that thick, coarse, necessarily Scottish sand. That seemed like more dirt and more turf had mixed with the sand there, uh, and they were plenty challenging to get out. I liked that on most holes. Um, even more so than every place, maybe except the old course, you could really work the ball on the ground. I mean, you could keep it under the wind. I felt like, I think I remember stating more than once, you know, if somebody says their member, if their handicap is at leave and links, you don't gamble against that guy because that, you know, rain, shine, wind, sleet, he's going to be able to keep it if he can you know score in those narrow fairways with those narrow greens and those you know kind of vicious little bunkers all over the place that's a, a a guy or a gal that can play anywhere um you know the yeah that's a true number that's that's not a that's not a fake number that is a if you if you're putting up whatever you're putting up five ten whatever it is that's that's legit there yeah you know and it was for my money, it was the easiest walk we had in Scotland, um, save for the wind and the fact that it was our last day and there was some fatigue. But, um, you know, there weren't mean hills. There was nothing. I, I don't remember being out of breath. Let me put it that way. That may be a better indicator. I don't ever remember being out of breath walking around that course. There were some cool reveals, you know, that, that par three back along the wall with London where you you or back on a tee box and you it's kind of a blind shot or semi-blind shot and all of a sudden you see there are like seven bunkers guarding this one massive probably the biggest green on the property um that's just something that spoke to me as being pretty cool a very linksy kind of hidden thing um you know coming back in um i got maybe got lost in the middle right there but there are some i thought some really fun holes on the closing stretch uh, you know, par three, a couple of par fours, uh, and then that famous 18th hole. Um, I didn't know it at the time that that was kind of a template uh, and is big in the architectural circles that it's the, the leaving hole where you've got a, a fairway leading all the way up to the green and then a, a body of water cutting in in between. And so the play is really to lay out to the right and try to chip and putt to, to save your par. I challenged it um, from the rough. That was one of my... Uh, go for it shots I've mentioned on here with Fred before um, I didn't make it I I, I, I hit the, the vertical woodwork uh, yes hit the woodwork and the green made the save so uh, settled for my six but were there any standout holes to you guys that you remember once you kind of got in and, and whatever focus you had left that day at leaving um, I mean I I, uh, I went back and looked at the little list that we put together when we got back and saying, you know, if you had to go through and, and the courses that we played, 
you know, what was if you had to make a an 18 hole roster out of those, what, you know, who had the best first hole, who had the best second hole? Um, I went back and was thinking about it. Um, and I have one, two, I have four holes from that course that were on my list. And I was completely shocked by that. That's, um, I remember to do doing that exercise now and, and being kind of surprised how many I had on there as well. Um, yeah. Considering the course at the other courses, Carnoustie, North Berwick, Ely, all of those. Um, yeah, I, thank you for bringing that up, Fred. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was totally shocked. Uh, I think Matt and I were at a swim meet for our kids. We were sitting up in these bleachers, and we I had all of my uh, my yardage books and score scorecards all spread out, and we're writing stuff down and making notes, and uh, it was quite the it was quite the show, I bet. But um, but yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I was totally shocked that I had that many from from a course like I said before that 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 I didn't give I didn't give the credit to when we got there or on the way there even. Matt, what about you? Were there any holes that really jumped out at you uh, that you remember well? I mean, the the closing stretch there, I think, is is really well done. 16, 17, 18. Um, you know, just by that, you know, somebody's backyard notwithstanding on 16. It's really <laughs> pretty. Um, and, uh, yeah, I... I I decided not to be the ugly American and try to hop their fence. Uh, let them let them have that one. But uh, no, the you know the like I said, it really pretty coming in. Eighteen is just a bear. It's a it's a wonderful hole, um, but it is. I mean, it is especially with that wind. It is absolutely everything you've got to get there. Um, so that one stuck with me. I remember. You know, I hit a I hit a decent drive, and I got out there, and I said, "I got how much left?" Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a for real closing hole for sure. Um, but you know, I, some of those par threes, I thought they did their par threes very well at this course. Um, they were a lot of fun, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job mixing up yardages. Um, you know, there was some sneaky terrain on some of those. I, was it nine that, you know, moves a whole bunch from, from right to left that you don't really notice? Right. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I thought their par threes were, were above average for what they had to work with. Because, again, they don't have, like you said, you're not out of breath. And the reason you're not out of breath is that, honest to God, the highest point and the lowest point on the course are 40 feet different. Like, <laughs> there just really isn't a ton of up and down for them to play with. And yet, like you said, they found ways to – you know, whether it's gorse bushes or whatever, to to make some sightline challenges and sneak some bunkers in places and have the ground kind of fall away toward these bunkers so that if you don't, not only do you have to carry the bunker, but you got to carry a little bit past the bunker or else you're coming back into it. Um, you know, those those were the thoughts. I, I thought, for me, the driving, you know, the, the play off the tee, was not the exceptional part of that course. It was it was the approach shots, I think, at Leaven that really, you know, made you work the most. Uh, I I agree, and, and I think part of that from the tee, I, it had a, 
I had the same experience at the Loop up at Forest Dunes, where everything is is one color. You know, you're you're you've got this hue of kind of green, kind of brown, depending on whether you're facing into the sun or or walking away from it. And there's not that ton of elevation change that you're talking about. And so you 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 just it's hard to pick a target. You know, there aren't. There's not a town in the background where you're you're picking for most holes where you're picking you know like at the old course I hey hit the white steeple or aim right at that red red roofed building and house there was just this vastness to it you had the hills and the mountains way off in the distance you had the sea that you could kind of hear but not really see um, and so you're you're out there um, and going the first time around. There was nothing that there was no, no obvious trouble. They kind of jumped out and said, "Hey, don't hit it here." Okay, maybe a gorse bush. There was one side that was always trouble, um, but it wasn't super obvious like we were kind of I think used to. Um, I felt like it was you know the memorable holes for me too with that split fairway. That was a cool hole. Um, thinking back, yeah, that closing stretch, the par three, um, I guess fifth hole. That was really cool. I just remember being thinking in the moment while I was playing it, like, man, this would be a cool course to be a member of. This would be a cool everyday course, just like you're talking about, Matt. This isn't the, this isn't the, a destination course necessarily, uh, but it's a place where I don't think I'd ever get tired of trying to, you know, alternate between flying a ball into those greens or bouncing into those greens. Um, you know, it made you work the ball both ways, uh, which was nice. So it was just. Um, I don't know. It, I'm very glad that we stopped there. I left kind of beaming, just proud that we had played there because it was so much fun and there were some, some good hero shots or attempts there. Um, it was kind of the perfect after-dinner treat after we had done St. Andrews, you know, Castle Course, Old Course, and then something that was a totally different speed. Uh, that's what I left. or that, That's what I went into the clubhouse uh, and I want to get into that a little bit. Any other thoughts on the course you wanted to share or you would make sure people know, fellas? I would I would love to see what the wind does there. I mean that that the direction with with the way like you said it's it's very much straight out and back. If that wind changes directions even just a little bit, it changes a bunch of those holes. Yeah. Um so I think that is that's another factor that gives it that kind of you could play it a whole bunch and still enjoy playing it a whole bunch because it's not going to be repetitive if that wind shifts a little bit now all of a sudden you know you hit a you know you had, you had a 220 yard five iron one day and you know that wind shifts and all of a sudden you're hitting three wood and we had the opposite wind of what we had at ely which is right up the coast ely and earl's ferry is just right around the sound from um uh, leaving in london so yes, little changes in the wind, and you've got a whole new ball game there. Uh, Fred, any other last lasting memories of or thoughts you'd uh, convey to people on leaving links? Um, I think the only thing that I can say to add to what you guys have already said would be, you know, I think that course um, just gives you true true perspective on the amount of good golf courses that, you know, Scotland has. I mean, 
I think that just goes to show that, you know, I mean, the first tee box is right along the road. And on the other side of this, you know, little two lane street, I'm not even going to call it a road. It was a little two lane street was like a little, you know, 10 foot by 10 foot cigarette shop. Right. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't stand there or drive by that and think, oh, my gosh, I got to play there. But I mean, you know, getting out there and playing it, it just it just shows you, you know, the courses that that are all over that country that are just that are just phenomenal that, you know, most people don't even know about. Amen to that. Uh, one of the, the first world problem tragedies of 2020, and, and sure there are, with all the implied seriousness of everything that's gone on this year, one of the sad things for golf is that Leaven Links had actually landed a professional, um, a minor tour, the professional European tour, the PGA Europe, which is not the European tour that we see that hosts you know the big tournaments. But the equivalent, I think, of their nationwide tour, it was going to come to leaving, and I would have loved to have seen, you know, those top, those, you know, professional golfers, and um, just what you're talking, what you said, Matt, you know, if they had a different win two consecutive days, what that does to the field, and what that would have looked like, you know, we see it at the old course, um, and we see it at Carnoustie, I think maybe most prominently if they catch a different win, but just seeing how that course would have played, having been there and, and walked around there, I would have. I would have fought and clawed and scratched to try to find a video feed of that somehow, even if I had to to pay for some bootleg uh, <laughs> over the internet VPN feed. Uh, it would have been worth it. Um, I don't know how to describe. You know, we got we finished our round. We took our pictures. I was the melancholy started to set in. I was like, okay, we're done. This this trip is coming to a close. Let's go get something to eat. And they were very nice, very accommodating. Um, member for a day at, at the Leaven Golf Club is member for the, the whole day. Um, what do you think the average age of the people having dinner around us was? Ballpark. I'd put it. I'd put the over under at north of seventy, just on our particular day. Oh yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, that that would be a tough over under bet, if you ask me. That's pretty close. Uh, you know, they've got this really charming little bar and dining area with, you know, and rightfully so, proudly displayed club history all over the place with some antique clubs. And I, I know we took a moment to sign the guest book um, and inspect some of the captains and the champions. You know, they've got a, a long-lasting inner club, I think, with the Leaven Thistle and then uh, probably with London Lynx being next door. One of those clubs where the inner club is probably a really big deal. Um just because you're in those tight little towns that are right next to each other. Um, was that – how long did it take us to figure out how to get from there to Edinburgh? Now, that was one of the few problems on our trip that I didn't – I hadn't planned for it. I hadn't encountered. I didn't know if we were going to take a cab back to the train line. Um, we ended up voting against that. But it took – if I recall right, it took like an hour to figure out how we were going to get – back to you know scotland's biggest city which i didn't i didn't see that one coming roughly six damn hours from what i <laughs> a guy show uh, they the the couple that run the food and beverage at leaving they 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 looked out for us and they called you know we had a we had a quote from starfish taxi up in st andrews and it was going to be a bloody fortune 
And so they thought we told the the barman or the bar lady that, and she's like, I think my husband knows a guy. Well, you know, you're always gonna have a fun adventure when it's somebody. Hey, I know a guy. So they get him involved and and call the the cab, and he shows up with a car that, you know, we have our hard cases with our bags, and we have our suitcases. He could have gotten one and a half of us into that car and back to Edinburgh with him. And the best part is he started to load it. Like, you can look at this and say, the geometry of this is just not physically possible, sir. There, there really is no, there's more surface area here than in there. But by God, he was going to give it a go. I wasn't comfortable with the notion of our stuff hanging on by a bungee strap. <laughs> oh, you could even mean... do that. It was, it was like... where, where were we going to ride? Like, he could have gotten all the luggage in there. Where, how are we going to get back? That's the point, the fellas. Roof. That's the point right there. There was plenty of room to put all the luggage, but Dave, you would have had to sit on Matt's lap on the way to Edinburgh. <laughs> and, I mean, you guys are buddies and all, so I didn't think it was a problem. I, I couldn't. But. So he leaves and comes back with a station wagon and a trailer. Which oh, I, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's how he had one of, those, one of those little tiny two-wheel U-Haul <laughs> whatever you see going down the freeway at 85 miles an hour and all at that point all of our earthly belongings are in this thing that i don't know is securely fastened to the the aforementioned station wagon and he borrowed that from a guy (laughs) and he knew a guy right right. he He was working for that 80 pounds like i have never seen like because that ended up being because he got us loaded and then it was a good, you know, it was Friday night traffic or Thursday night traffic. So it, it was like an hour, hour and a half to get around the peninsula uh, over to the hotel. And, you know, I will say this, that for all of our planes, trains, and automobiles comedy getting around Scotland, it was really nice to to be somewhere for a long time just sitting still, not having to worry about, hey, don't miss this stop. Um you know the the cab we had some interesting cab drivers occasionally um just that long that was the longest we sat still the entire trip i think was that ride back from from leaving into the inner urban core of Edinburgh down there in the theater district so that might be a consideration if you're you're getting from that part of of fife and east nuke trying to get back to the city uh that there's no good way to do it it's a long cab ride to the train if you're going to try to catch the train and go back so i'm comfortable with the decision especially to end the trip that way but um yeah a a local taxi i'm in favor of going local but boy that was that was local boys and girls and old old boy was making some moves through the theater district there he's blocking traffic cobblestone Uh, streets and absolutely everything's a manual shift over there so we're just bouncing around which is fine. Remember when he pulled into the intersection when we were in Edinburgh yep. and the and the and the U-Haul is sticking out in the uh, intersection behind us. People are honking their horn, and I'm like having a panic attack. Oh my <laughs> lord! You know, and the guy charged us eighty pounds, right? Well, you know, if you think about it, it's not a bad rate considering that worked out to be what about um, one pound per word he said to us the whole time. Oh, way more than that. You think he got 80 words in? I don't think there's no, a chance that there's no way. I, 
I mean, I did everything I could to make that man talk, and he was tight-lipped. Yeah, he he wasn't having, he wasn't interested in it. And the thing to remember is, so that you know, that was an hour and a half of work. He had to get back, presumably. I assume he wouldn't spend yeah. the night in Edinburgh. So yep. I don't know if he had some farm equipment he could take, you know, put in his little U-Haul to to get good use out of that, or well, or what? well, as, as we discussed, I'm sure, I'm sure everything was fully claimed and above board with the Scottish Bureau of Taxation and and whatnot there. Uh, but yes, the the rate uh, the rate was was probably. You know, good. And when you tip him on top of it, he did fine. He did fine. It was it was an adventure, but it, you know, comes with the territory when you're the guy that somebody knows. I'll give him this though. I mean, we were going down some like little tiny side streets, and bam, we popped out right next to the hotel. Yeah, yeah. It was black magic. Yeah, we were back <laughs> on on cobblestone streets coming in from like we had gone. I think halfway to Musselboro and we're coming in behind our hotel which was nuts um, and all of a sudden he just yeah like okay there's our hotel took a left turn and there you are and we paid cash so no questions asked that was that was fine by us um, proceeded you know one of my favorite things about the trip was that we we didn't get gussied up but we you know, kind of slowed down, and we went across the street from our hotel right there in the theater district and had some of the best Italian food I've ever had, which I would not have thought um, but that I would find in the middle of the theater district of Scotland. Um, but it, no one tells you this. Uh, our waiter did. But unless you call, and if you're in a fancy restaurant over there, unless you call for the check, they will just let you sit there. There, There's no... Uh, there's no ushering you out. Um, like the the server's not trying to turn the table. We sat there and watched the place empty out, just having a good time, which was uh, gave us a chance to reminisce and, of course, tell all the I guess tell first drafts of all the stories we were gonna take back with us. Um, luckily, nobody got sappy. Nobody hugged uh, too long. Fred, you, you you're you're a hugger. I know it's hard for you to hold back, but I appreciate your your restraint in public. Um, but that was that was neat. That was a, a cool kind of a last meal, having Forgans the night before uh, to relive, basically just relive the old course, and then having a, a last meal together before all the craziness of the travel. That's the way. You, I was very happy. That's the way we closed out our trip. What do you remember from from our last night in Edinburgh? No, you're you're burying the lead that the ambassador was making friends that carried over, in that the waiter in the Italian restaurant in Edinburgh had been part of the contingent that the ambassador was schmoozing at the Dunvegan in St. Andrews two days earlier. I mean, there are small worlds. I mean, I get it. It's, you know, it's, it's the same country, but it's not exactly next door. And the fact that Fred May is out there glad handing with people to the point where they remember him, you know, what I loved about that, what Matt is talking about is our waiter came up and we'd had our meal and he'd cleared our plates and we'd either had dessert or decide against it. And he, he kind of has this, this wry look on his face, like in, in his thick Scottish accent. He was the only native working in this Italian restaurant. Um, everybody else, I think, was Italian. And he had this wry grin and he kind of said, do you guys go up and play in St. Andrews this weekend? And like, yeah, yeah, we did. And he just kind of walked off. He went and they were clearing tables so fast. It was incredible to watch. Two guys, two waiters ran this entire restaurant. 
And we all kind of turn and nod at each other like, huh, you know, we're Americans. He's hearing us speak with our accent. It's, it's not a logical, not a giant leap to say, hey, these guys might have been up in St. Andrews. But that smile that caught us, like, what was he, what was he doing? And he comes back, and lo and behold, he goes, so, uh, you had to done vegan, were you? And it <laughs> kind of goes in, and, and then then we realize that while Matt and I had gone and played the Jubilee course, Fred was apparently holding court in the done vegan right there. The, 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 you know, the epicenter of the town of St. Andrews for some time. Um, and, you know, uh, we're not big. We're not, we don't have movie star good looks, but apparently we make an impression. That's right, Fred, even you. <laughs> oh, boy. That, that, I wish I would have had a picture of my face when he was like, uh, when he started talking about that, because I was like, oh, crap. You were as you were as red. You were unnaturally red. That's for sure. Like all I can the blood, all the blood in your body came up to the surface. <laughs> oh, he was so nice about it too. And I was like, you know, I was like, okay, it won't be that big, big of a deal. But I mean, I think that is the first thing that Matt told his wife when we got home. <laughs> Not, hey, honey, I love you. Where's the kids? Hey, Brett got recognized in two different towns in Scotland. <laughs> Yes, our, our waiter had been up there with his girlfriend for the holiday. I think he played. I don't know if she played with him, but yeah. So that was a that was how we ended our trip. That was a big laugh in the moment. That again, you can't you can't get anywhere if you don't go local. Yeah. Um, so that we, and ladies and gentlemen, that's what traveling with Fred May is like. That's just <laughs> how it is. I I would like to just add one thing to this before. Before we left to go get food, um, when we were in the hotel room, quite possibly the most comfortable resting position I had ever been in in my life and quite possibly the oddest TV shows I've ever seen in my life were occurring all at the same time. There, there was a show on. That was called. Was it called Bully, Matt? Bull, bullseye. Oh my! Was the Bully mas- was the mascot? The mascot. Oh yes, my gosh! If the folks that are listening to this, if I can, if I can have you do one thing, Google this and watch twenty minutes of it, and you'll watch every episode you can find. It's like it golden is, oldies. Oh you my can- gosh! I mean, the gigantic seven-inch, eight-inch flared-up collars that people are wearing, the 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 professional dart throwers, I guess would be the proper term, that come in for like a five-second cameo in this show. I still don't know what they were doing on the show, but they would pop up and their name would be across the bottom of the screen, and they would go like, thunk, thunk. And everybody would cheer, and then he'd walk off. And I have no idea what his purpose was. And there was an element of Benny Hill, like blue humor. Like the the yep. shorts were too short, and the shirts were too low. And like that's just um, unnecessarily. That's gratuitous, right there. Uh, and and what about the guy that's standing like four inches from the bullseye or from the the dartboard, and he's just screaming out the score. I mean, this guy is like a human abacus. I mean, he is counting faster than I can talk. It was amazing. And these are amateur, with the exception of the the one-minute cameo of the professional. These are amateurs throwing darts, and he's standing, you know, a foot from where these things are landing. Yeah. I mean, 
it was the most oh, it was the most beautiful train wreck I've ever seen. Now, see, I'm glad you said that because that remi- and there wasn't a language barrier on the show, but I, I, um, I neglected to mention one of my favorite memories of our lunch at Levin, which the food was good. It was nice. It was a, a fun experience. But one of the the members came up, and I guess they were getting a new director, what I'll call director of senior activities, and he thought it was Fred because this this gentleman. <laughs> came up to the table and with a very thick Scottish accent was, was and he was I mean he had kind of kind of hitched up his pants and hands in his pocket he was excited he's like oh so you, you're starting next week we got something to do and Fred didn't catch a single word he looked at me and, and so I stepped in he's like no I think you got the wrong guy we're just we're, we, we just you know we just played our round we had a nice walk and come in here to get something to eat uh, you know I hope you meet your, your fella but yeah this isn't we're taking this one back with us and he's like oh oh sorry to bug you okay okay all right well you guys enjoy good to have you here and and nary a word did Fred here he just looked at me like are we okay am I safe <laughs> is that the driver Dave is that the guy driving this I forgot about that one that was yeah, that, too I forgot about that that was one of the last instances where the accent got one of our our group mm. my goodness I had forgotten about that one that was a good one <laughs> yeah yeah you just looked at me so like help help <laughs> Dave, <laughs> yeah, oh. I gotta thank God for my BBC Scotland podcast. Yeah. So, got any other thoughts on the trip? Any any other trip thoughts that you'd share with people if they're going to do this, uh, how they do it right or how they do it wrong? You know, I think we've said it before, and I think Matt said it, or uh, it was one of us said it. It's um, you know, looking back on it, it's it's the it's the in-between stuff that almost seems more memorable than a lot of the stuff we had planned out, you know, like, like the, the done vegan, you know, you guys going out and playing a second nine, um, you know, sitting there having lunch at 11, um, or leaving. Um, it, it's the things that you don't have planned out, you know, every minute of the day is what really made the memories that, that I'm going to cherish and, and hold on to for a long time about that trip. Um, I, I can't, I'll never be able to remember everything that happened, but man alive, the, the things that stick in my memory will, will cause me to cause me to just laugh on my own for, for minutes at a time. Matt, any addenda? Uh, you know, kind of, kind of piling on the same thought, you know, let, let the day take you where it's going to take you a little bit. You got to plan out the major stuff. Um, you never know what what they're going to throw at you. You never know when that train's going to catch fire on the way to North Berwick. Uh, you know, you, you never know when your when your crazy cabbie's going to do something crazy. Um, but if you know, we did an excellent job, I think, of kind of relaxing and letting letting the thing come to us, uh, enjoying the time while you have it. I mean, there's so, there just isn't enough time in life to, to really sit back and, and relax and enjoy it. Um, you know, we've all got kids that, that kind of run our lives and, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. And this was, this was a time where we really had the opportunity to, to just sort of sit back and let the day play out and enjoy whatever it brought. Uh, and I, I incredibly thankful that we did it that way. And, 
I cannot recommend that highly enough. That is a, a good and appropriate thought. That's how we did our trip. That's how we'll do the next trip. So uh, leaving links again, of course, not many people may have heard of. Uh, it can stand shoulder to shoulder with some of the, the really the best courses in Scotland and, and uh, hold its head up high. That's it, and that's all of the Scotland 2019 golf trip that we can muster. There may be other stories and memories that find their way to the podcast from that particular journey from time to time. But as for our collective audio journal, that's all we had to say about that. Leaving Links was a fine place to wrap up our quest. And knowing now what I didn't know then, I don't know that there is another place that would have set my mind at ease after playing the old course like Leaving did. It was a really fun, kind of unique experience, and one that I'm glad we ventured to take. There's plenty of great golf in East Nuke and in Fife, and if you're going there, make sure that Levin's on your list. Hey, thanks for stopping by this episode of the Blind Shots podcast. I hope you liked what you heard here, and that you'll subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast feed service of choice. Maybe share an episode with your friends and family, or tweet out a show link. If you're feeling spicy, leave a rating for the show on iTunes. Again, that way you can say, you knew about this show back when. That's what everybody wants to do, right? To have one of those. If you didn't like what you heard here today, sorry, I can't do anything about that now. But I will try to do better the next time, I promise. And I hope you will join me again the next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. Most importantly, I hope you're being safe and smart and keeping sane out there. We will eventually get through this. Someday this war on the virus will end. But until then, when you're playing golf, do decide to go for it and take dead aim. You trimmed the beard up, didn't you? I did a little bit, yeah. You monster. Ha <laughs> ha!